from our brothers and sisters all across this globe. And even that is not enough for our King. He is so much more worthy than that. He is awesome in this place. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your righteousness, your holiness, your love for us. Help us to love you and see you as you need to be seen, Lord God. Give us hearts to to hear your message today, Lord God. Help transform us into the image of your Son that we might glorify you more and more every day. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys may be seated. I was going to take that iPad after service. Right there, I thought it was a free give out. Like a handout? No? I can try. Well, good morning. I'm back again. For those of you who snuck in after announcements, which was a lot of you, um, I love you, by the way, because that means hopefully you slept an extra five minutes, and I really enjoy sleep. But I am Nate Wheeler. I lead a small group here at Shiloh, the best small group uh, in the church, mostly because my wife cooks a full meal for us every single week, um, and there is nothing better in this world than eating good food and talking about Jesus. So kudos to her. Um, Best wife ever award goes out to her. Hopefully she's listening. Otherwise, I said that for nothing. Now I did. Now I did. I just put my foot in my mouth. All right, we're in the middle of a message series here at Shiloh called Things Jesus Never Said. And you might be saying to yourself, why in a church on a Sunday morning from a stage would you talk about things that Jesus never said? Shouldn't you talk about the things that he did say? That seems more churchly. Uh, I think that's a word. It seems more like something a church should talk about is the things that Jesus did say. But sometimes as a church and and when we read the Bible a lot, you start reading and you look in some Bibles and there's um, red letters highlighting the words of Jesus. But you start reading them over and over again and sometimes they lack the luster that they should. See, there should be power in what Jesus said. He was revolutionary uh, in the church culture for his day. He was a king coming to save his people And his words had power. But when we read them too often, sometimes they lack luster. They lack the power that they should. So it oftentimes helps to think about what he didn't say, what he could have said, maybe what I would say to really give power and punch to what he did say. So we're looking at a few things that Jesus didn't say in today's message. And some of those things are, do not forsake the assembling of the saints. And it does not matter what else you do. As often as you gather together, eat turkey, potatoes, stuffing, and apple pie in remembrance of me. Come follow me and nobody will fight in the car on the way to church. (laughs) Yeah, that is a true statement, maybe. Um, My wife and I drive separate cars a lot. Then no one fights on the way to church. It's not, it's not her fault. She's wonderful all the time. I am just very grumpy in the morning before I have four cups of coffee. Um, so she's blessed to put up with me. I'm going to keep going. So we've been in this series talking about all sorts of things that Jesus never said. And if you are not in a small group, I would encourage you to sign up for a small group. Um, because this is probably in all of the small groups I've ever attended, some of the best discussions our groups have ever had. Um, In the last couple of weeks, we've had, um, you won't have a bad day. You don't need to forgive them. Go do what makes you happy. And today, you get what you deserve. 
these are some of the best conversations I've had in small group ever. You know, I wonder how many of us, though, deal with guilt in our life. Did you know today in America, one of the most prevalent things that we deal with as guilt is food guilt. 29% of what you eat will make you feel guilty afterwards. There's all sorts of different kinds of guilt, though. I feel a little bit more than 29%, probably. But there's all sorts of other guilts. You know, you didn't pray enough. You didn't serve enough. You lost your version Bible streak. Now you're not getting into heaven. There's mom guilt. Should I work? Shouldn't I work? When do I do school events with the kids? You forgot the kids entirely at school. There's dad guilt. Do I work too much? Do I never go to their sports games? Do I, um, do I not be hard enough on them? Am I too lenient on them? It's what I deal with a lot. I never know if I'm being a good dad. Parenting guilt. Facebook, Instagram, and social media. We look at these things, and everybody else's perfect life that they've created in this false environment makes us feel guilty that we're not good enough. Right? All of us deal with different guilts. Marriage guilt. I worked really hard on that relationship, and it still failed and ended in divorce. We all have all sorts of guilt. And today we want to look at what Jesus did or did not say about guilt and sin in our life. We're going to look at Luke 23, 32 and 33. Two others also who were criminals were being led away and put to death with him. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Now, how many people were being led to the cross? Three. How many criminals were being led to the cross? All right, just making sure you're paying attention. Math is a strong suit of mine. See, this is the last moments of Jesus' life, and what you might think of a king as a ruler, you might think it should look differently. You should... You should see Jesus with a crown of gold instead of a crown of thorns. And you should see Jesus with servants instead of surrounded by thieves. Instead of a throne, he's hanging on a cross. This is an interesting place to pick up this story. But before we go further, let's explain crucifixion which a lot of times we skip right over because it's gruesome and ugly. There's some parental guidance suggested. Not really. They should hear the whole story. That's why I'm maybe a bad father. I don't know. All right. Death and crucifixion on a cross is maybe the most gruesome, brutal, ugly way to die. And we skip right over the fact of what's happening. See, crucifixion begins with a scourging which is a whipping after they tie you to a post and rip off your shirt. But it's not just a leather whip. They take a leather whip with many prongs and they tie glass or metal and nails into it and they beat you. 39 times they beat you until your flesh starts to peel off your body, until your organs are exposed, your bones are sticking out, and your own mother would not recognize you. When that's done, you normally would pass out from exhaustion just from the sheer trauma of the experience. And when you finally regain consciousness, they tie you to your cross, and you carry your own cross up to the hill where they'll crucify you. But before they crucify you, they strip you naked and nail you to a cross. The shame of being exposed in front of all these people, brutally suffering, hanging on a cross. And this wasn't 
a punishment for anybody. It was reserved for the worst of the worst because it was expensive and it took a long time. See, crucifixion could take up to four days for you to die. As you're nailed to the cross and the only way for you to stay alive is to pull yourself up on the nails that hold your hands and feet so that you can gasp in an ugly breath. It was long and painful. And on the fourth day, if you were still alive, the Roman guards would come and break your legs so that you no longer could push yourself up to breathe. It was costly, it was ugly, it was embarrassing, and it was reserved for the worst of the worst, and that's where we find ourselves in this story. There's three people hanging on a cross. I'm not sure, because the Bible never says what the two people next to Jesus did. But we know that they were bad. This wasn't a punishment that you give for pickpocketers or people that rear-ended your car. This was reserved for really bad men. And Jesus was hanging with two of them on the cross. And from the cross were people gathered to mock him. In verse 34, it says this. But Jesus, answered, Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. So what Jesus, hanging on that cross, people mocking him, spitting at him, saying, aren't you the king of the Jews? Gambling for his clothes because he's been stripped naked. There are some other things that he could have said, like God, send a thousand cocky angels with swords and demolish all of them. Give them hemorrhoids in their ears. I mean, I would pray something if I were him in that much pain. I mean, think of this. If you're the king of kings, the lord of lords, you can say anything. Listen, I will say anything from up here, okay? Stop laughing. You could say anything, and it would happen because God is your father. I wouldn't be on the cross still. But Jesus, in his great love, says, forgive those people that don't know what they're doing. That is an awesome gift in and of itself. Luke 23, 39 says, one of the criminals who were, who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, you are not the, not the Christ. Save us and yourself. But others, the other answered and rebuked him, said, Do not you even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? Indeed, we are suffering justly. So you're faced with this picture of two men on the cross on either side of Jesus. One saying, hey, if you're really who you are, uh, get us down and you, you can come too. And there's no response the other saying, hey, we were put here justly. We did a crime that warrants this. This man never did. But we deserve what we're getting. We earned this. Now, if you would, for a minute, finish these sentences with me. What goes around, your past will come back to. You make your bed, you got to... All different ways of saying you get what you deserve. 
And in today's society, we kind of like it a little bit when people get what they deserve. We see something happen, and we kind of rejoice a little bit. We like it when justice prevails over people. Now, as part of what I do for a living, I own a plowing business, and I plow lots of commercial parking lots and streets and all sorts of different things. I don't plow town roads. And when I have my truck out on the road, it has a massive plow in front, and it has a massive sander in the back, and a yellow light that could give a healthy person a seizure, okay? You cannot miss my truck. That truck is designed to drive in the snow, and I have driven in every single snowstorm since I have had my license. I am a very qualified person to drive in the snow. My least favorite thing in the entire world is when I am driving at 35 miles an hour because that is as fast as any human should drive, even in a truck made to drive in the snow, when a four-wheel drive something flies past me. Okay? If that is you, you need to get your head examined. Okay? That's just a case. Don't pass plow trucks. It's silly. But when they... When I come around the next corner and they're in the ditch, I kind of am like, yes, they got what they deserved. Right? There's a little part of me that's just happy that it didn't work out well for them. Okay? Four-wheel drive is not a miracle cure. It doesn't fix everything. But there's a small part in us that looks out and is happy when people get what they deserve. Except for us. We shouldn't get what we deserve. We don't, we don't like it when we get the speeding ticket for talking on the cell phone. Stupid law. Um, we don't like it when we get the speeding ticket. But when we watch somebody else do something wrong, there's a small part of us that's like, yeah, they earned that. But we pick back up in the story in Luke 23. After this man has recognized that he earns it, he earned what he got. Sorry, Luke 23, 41. We were indeed, indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong, and he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now this is a man that can't do anything to earn the kingdom of heaven. He can't join a church. He can't get baptized. He can't turn over a new leaf and make up for the sins that he's committed. There is nothing he can do to earn his way into heaven. He is who he is, and time is literally ticking away. And any moment, he will not be there anymore. Jesus could have replied, nah, I never liked you. He could have replied, you had your chance when I was preaching this sermon on the mount. Sorry, buddy, hell for you. Jesus could have replied so many ways, ways that I think we probably would have thought about. I know what you did. There's no way you're coming with me. But what Jesus did say, as he saw a repentant man hanging on the cross who knew his own guilt, Luke 23, 43 says this, and he said to him, truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. See, as Jesus heard one criminal saying, get me off this cross, there was no response. But as he saw a repentant man, a man that deserved to be there, that committed crimes that led him to that point, but he was repentant. He said, I deserve this, but Lord, please, you are the king, you don't deserve this. Remember me today in paradise. 
you might say, that's not fair. He, he deserves to go to hell. He deserves punishment. Well, here's the thing. I don't deserve to be here today. I don't deserve to preach the word of God, and I don't deserve to walk in his kingdom. See, I know the things that I've done, as you all know the things that you have done. I get angry very easy. Anger is like other emotions I'm not so good at. Anger I'm very good at. I've perfected anger pretty well. I say things I shouldn't, especially when I hit my hand with a hammer. I'm mean to people. I put other people down so I can feel better about myself. See, I don't do everything the way that it should be done, and I don't deserve to be in the kingdom just like you don't deserve to be in the kingdom And sometimes in life, that guilt from the things that I do wrong is overwhelming. You almost feel dead inside. There's a weight that you carry when you do things that you know aren't right. And the only way I know how to describe it is there's a little dead part of me inside. But there's hope for us. Ephesians 2, 3-5 and 8-9 through says this, Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of our mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God in his rich mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. See, while we were lost, while we were dead, Christ reached out to find us. There's nothing you can do to deserve it. As a matter of fact, it says that there's nothing that any of us can do to deserve it. We were all lost in the lust of our flesh and of our mind. All humanity. See, this isn't singling out Percy for being a bad person. The word of God actually singles out all of us, all humanity. We're not good enough for the gift that Christ gave us. We don't deserve it. But thank God, Jesus didn't say you get what you deserve. He said the contrary. The father said, I'm going to send my son. He's going to die a painful death on the cross. Rise again on the third day. To forgive you of your sins. God had mercy and grace and love that we don't deserve. Now what would have happened to the man on the cross if when he repented, Jesus said, I forgive you. And the Roman guard said, all right, let's take him down. He's forgiven, let's take him down. And the Roman guards take this man off the cross and he's got wounds that have to heal, but his wounds heal and his life goes on and he lives a long life. What would happen in his life? I know what would happen in mine every single day. I would proclaim what happened to me. I was on the cross. I was moments from death. And Christ forgave me. My life would go on in dedication to the man that saved me. I would tell the story over and over and over again because I didn't have to die. I got to live because Christ forgave me. See, his story is our story. We deserve the cross. 
Maybe you didn't get that. You guys are a little quiet. His story is our story. We deserve the cross, but there was forgiveness for us. There was something more there for us. In Psalms 103, 10 and 12 says this, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west so far, he has removed our transgressions from us. For those that believe and repent and turn their way towards Christ, he separates us from what we deserve. We deserve the cross, and he took it from us. We deserve death, and he bore the weight for us, and he doesn't treat us the way we deserve. We don't get what we deserve. But we get holiness, we get righteousness, and transformed in the image of his son. See, the guy on the cross, his story is our story. Romans uh, 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's all of us. It's not one, it's not two, it's not, oh, I know my brother and he was really bad, but I did better than him. It's not, it's not this person walked a really righteous life, they can get in, but I can't. My grandmother is probably the most holy person that I had ever known. Of course, I didn't know her in her younger years. But in the end of her life, I would sleep over at their house and she'd be up before me every morning reading her word, praying for her, her grandchildren, praying for her kids. In her Bible were, were notes written galore for people she was praying for, for prayers that were answered. She was the epitome of holiness. And she sinned and she can't get in. Except for God's gift to us. You can't be good enough. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That guy's story on the cross. His story is our story. We're not on the cross. John 1, 1 John 1, 9 says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Luke 5:32 I have not come to call the righteous but the sinners to repentance. See, he didn't even come for good people. Jesus came to save the lost. He came to save the broken. And if you, like the man on the cross, say I know I deserve punishment. I have fallen short of God's standards and law. I am dead in my trespasses against the king. If you repent, he is faithful to take you off the cross. He's faithful to remove the dead part of you and make you a new person in Christ Jesus. See, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. If you're dead, there's nothing you can do to gain life again. And we are all dead. We are dead in our trespasses. Except for just like in the ambulance or the medical shows, you know, they beep, right? I don't know what those are called. Defibrillators, there we go. Jesus is the ultimate defibrillator, Right? It's such good news. He didn't come to make bad people good. He didn't, he didn't come to wrap your sprained ankle because you're dead. He came to make good, I mean, dead people alive in Christ. That's the gift that Christ gives us. 
hanging on that cross, brutally suffering for us, he made us alive in him. You don't get what you deserve if you profess Christ, if you turn from your ways and repent. You get the kingdom of heaven. You get to be known as a child of God. You walk in the kingdom of life. See, salvation isn't just a changing in direction. Salvation is when I confess my sins to God. There's a great covenant exchange that happens. It's all of my life for all of his life. So when I get to heaven and I stand before God, the creator of the heavens and earth, and he looks down on me and my face has been smeared with the blood of his son, he goes, oh, I know that guy. He looks like Jesus. But if you get to heaven and you haven't bowed your knee before Christ and you stand before God in your own deeds, in your own works, the Father will look at you and say, I'm sorry, you look like sin and I don't spend eternity with sin. There's only one way into heaven. It's through the blood of Jesus Christ because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But thank God he didn't say you get what you deserve. He made a way for you to enter the kingdom of heaven, righteous and cleansed through the blood of the Lamb. So if we could put on some music as we close. If you're here today and feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, a drawing uncomfortableness within you, and you haven't made the commitment to Christ, to be your Lord and Savior, to recognize that there is nothing outside of him that will get you into heaven. And you want to make that commitment today. I invite you after I'm done praying to come up here, talk to myself or Percy or any other small group leaders that want to come up and pray with people. If you're here, if you stepped into the kingdom, if you stepped into being a child of God, but you still battle with feeling guilty and unworthy, you are still guilty and unworthy. But his blood has covered you. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And you can set that guilt at the foot of the cross. You don't have to carry it or bear it anymore. Every day, there are things that I do that make me unworthy to be a child of God. And every day, I repent and I stand before my maker and say, God, I'm sorry. Help me to be more like your son. I don't have to carry that guilt and shame day after day after day. I can set it at the cross. The moment it happens, I can set it at the cross. And too many of us carry that guilt and shame day in and day out. See, the Bible says that he separates us from our sin as far as the east is from the west. You're going to sin. You're going to fall short of the standard God has set before you. But the great news about repentance is it doesn't stop at that one time where you recognize you're a sinner and ask Jesus into your life. It doesn't stop there. Because that was a long time ago for me. That was a long time ago for me. I'm adding years, 15 years ago. And there's a lot that has happened in between those times. And I don't have to carry the guilt from then to now because every day I can turn back to my father and say, God, I'm not worthy. And I lay this at your feet. So if you're those people that are carrying guilt that you shouldn't carry, come forward, let us pray with you. If life is going great and you're hunky-dory, 
feel free to leave. But I love you still too. So Father, thank you for today. Thank you that you are great and wonderful and thank you that we do not get what we deserve, Lord. You never said that to us. You said, I will make a way for you where there's no way. Lord, help us to turn towards you and listen to the calling of your spirit, Lord. Help us to repent when we go astray and give us strength for each new day. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.